You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. We're up. Good. We're in the thick of the season now. I mean, we're in the thick of it. We don't have to look forward to it. We just, it's game week. It was, it's game week again. This time it's the Aggies. Yeah, it is kind of weird though, because usually after game one, then you have Monday off and uh, like it's a, it's a short week. Hopefully this will still feel like a short week because that's always great to have a short week right after your first game. So you can really get into the season, but um yeah, it's good to uh, get that first game under our belts. I guess, Jimmy, before we go too far into this, any closing arguments about your thoughts on the Missouri game? Have you had a chance to rewatch it? Uh, I've watched uh, – I've not watched the game in its entirety. I fast-forwarded to a few things I wanted to pay particular attention to. You know, And, and, I, and I did kind of go around the message boards, and as – it was easy to predict the negativity is just pretty outrageous. <laughs> I mean, who else, who is going to beat Missouri by, by 19 or 20 points at home? I mean, who's going to go to Missouri? I mean, we'll see this weekend. And, and, and here's, here's what, yeah, I, I guess I do have a lot to say. There is a tendency among football fans. I don't think it's this way in the other sports, I, but, but it's definitely in football. Everybody sees their team play. And, and, and it's like they lock into, okay, this is who we are this year. This is us. When, in fact, your team's performance is going to radically change, better and worse, week to week. You don't have the same exact team and the same exact performance every week. I don't know why that's in football. It's like, well, I get the impression that sometimes people watch their football teams, and after one quarter, they're like, all right. And they, it's like they know how the season is going to go from there. But the fact of the matter is your team's performance will, will radically change week to week. Now, that all said, I, I mean, is everyone going to feel differently about the Missouri game if they beat Tennessee? What if they beat Tennessee 28 to 10? Or what if they lose to Tennessee 35 to 7? And no one knows what will happen. If you think you know what will happen, then drive your ass over to Biloxi and give all the money you have to the guy at the counter and tell him you know what's going to happen in the Missouri-Tennessee game. So, so maybe you don't know what's going to happen if you, if you don't do that. So I, I'm, I have, there, there were definitely, it wasn't a perfect performance by Alabama. There were, there was definitely some things that Alabama needs to work on to improve like tackling. I would like to see some more explosive runs on offense. I don't think we ran the ball that great. I think we're capable of running it better. I think we're capable of tackling better, but a 19-point road win over a good team, uh, not a great team, but a good team. I don't think there was a lot of evidence Missouri is going to be bad. I, th- I think one thing is our fan base as a whole, and I'm guilty of this to some degree, uh, underestimated Missouri. Should have looked at Missouri's track record of, of how they've actually performed in the games. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. And, again, Eli Drinkwitz is one of the better uh, – offensive minds but one of the better young offensive minds in the game uh he was he was definitely gonna come up with a way to attack Alabama and and uh and keep keep this this final thing in mind they scored against our backup defense on the last snap of the game that they had to call a timeout just to score so take away that six and they only scored 13 
And half of that 13 came on a busted play. All these freshmen that we can't wait to see play. Right. And freshmen busted the wheel route. And they scored on a freshman bust. And that stuff we've talked about right here at our show all summer. Freshman busts are inevitable. They're going to happen. We just saw them. So there are two touchdowns. And I didn't say they didn't earn them. They earned all 19 of their points. And, you know, I'm not historically revising the outcome. I'm just saying they didn't score their two touchdowns because they lined up and drove it 80 yards against our first team defense. No, they scored one against the backups with no time on the clock. And they scored another one on a busted play because a freshman didn't follow through on what his assignment was. That's, that's, that's the story. Yeah. And you bring up a good point in there too. It's something I just hadn't even, it hadn't dawned on me without Keelan Robinson on this team at running back. I don't know that we have a home run thread. Now somebody's going to tweet in and say, you don't know what you're talking about. Najee Harris runs a four or five and blah, blah. I mean, his longest run at Alabama is 30 something yards. We've talked about that a gazillion times. Um, He's tough as nails. He gets extra yardage all the time. He's a great ball catcher. He's a good blocker, and he has a nose for the end zone. That being said, he's not a home run guy. Neither is Brian Robinson, to my knowledge. And Brian Robinson yes, sure. didn't have great hands. Um, and now Jace McClellan, he he might be, but he strikes me as more of a load running back. Um, at Roydale Williams, he had some certainly some home runs at Hueytown, but. Uh, you know, we don't know if he's a home run guy yet or not. And I think of him as more of a tough as nails kind of back too. Um, and then the kid from Louisiana, I, you know, I, from all in, I hear he won't be playing this year. So it's sort of a moot point. Um, I just don't know who, who is our, would you even consider Slade Bolden at, at Wildcat to be our best home run threat? No, uh, I, I do think that's an excellent point in terms of the makeup of the team. Uh, my answer is Trey Sanders. I, I know it's impossible to watch oh, yeah. the Missouri game. And my, it's impossible to watch the Missouri game and and believe that he is a home run threat, but he got absolutely no blocking for, for, for a reason we'll talk about a little later. But uh, I, I think Trey Sanders will hit home runs from that position. Um, and while I would agree with any assessment from anyone that Najee Harris is not a home run hitter, neither is Brian Robinson, They've been playing college football now for over three years and, and have never done it. So it's ridiculous to just say that they are home run hitters. Um, but it's just my personal belief that both of them will get free and make big plays this season. I believe that's going to happen um, because they're good players. But but uh, it's uh, it's an accurate assessment to this point. I mean, they've never done it. So it's kind of like saying – you know, Rod Carew in his baseball career wasn't a home run hitter. That's right. He played 20 years and he hit like 360, but he hit like, you know, five home runs in 20 years. I mean, the, the proof is what you do on the field. And uh, Najee and Brian have been playing for a long time and, and, and haven't, haven't gone long distance. So fair assessment. I think the home run guy will be Trey Sanders. And I think Brian and Najee will, will, will make big plays, both as runners and in the passing game. So, I don't think it's going to affect Alabama's ability to win the games. It might keep some scores down, though. And uh, that's one thing. I just talked about how people are blowing the problems on defense. You know, offensively, I really thought Alabama would score in the high 40s. I was off by two scores, just two scores. And 
you know, that's on the offense for not having a little more offensive production. But some of that was due to the fact that we did go to backups in the second half. Bryce, some of the backup linemen, you know, we, we put them in the game and the offense sort of stopped moving the ball, frankly, uh, when we went to the backups. Secondly, Missouri made some adjustments, I think, at halftime that seemed to work for them. Uh, third, I mean, this was a good defense. Um, last year, Missouri finished top five in the SEC playing the same SEC schedule everybody else played. In fact, they had a pretty difficult non-conference schedule, and their offense gave them no help, and their defense still finished uh, pretty high, you know, in the league. So this is a, a quality defense. I think Bolton's a great player. I was really impressed with their safeties. I thought both of their safeties were really good. They were physical, big hitters. Their defensive linemen are all seniors. Um, it was a good test for our offensive line. Kobe Whiteside's an excellent player on the interior. So while, again, I'm not sitting here saying we played an A-plus game and everybody's nuts for not seeing that, I'm saying that the good far outweighed the bad. There were reasons why things went wrong that can be fixed. And uh, I am still highly optimistic that Alabama is a national championship contender. I'm right there with you. And, um, you know, if you're going to be a championship contender, you need to have a car to get you to the game. And if you need a car, uh, if you've got a car, you need to go check out rockauto.com. You know, Jimmy, there's an ever-increasing number of all kind of makes and models. And it's impossible to stock all that stuff uh, in a traditional chain storefront. And so you you need somewhere that you can go that you can pick up what you need quickly, inexpensively, easily, and with all the kind of online help you can use, uh, go to rockauto.com. It, it, they save you so much money. It's the same part. Why do you want to pay more for it? Just go to rockauto.com. Their catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Uh, best of all, rockauto.com, always reliably low prices. And they also have professionals there to help you. So be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that you, they know you heard about them from us. That's a lot of uh, pronouns in there, but that's what I'm going with. Um, Rockauto.com, R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com. Jimmy, basketball note, just very quickly, um, got a commitment from, I think it's just Sawan Holt. I, I, is that how you, I'm not sure I exactly how you say his name, but I watched some of his video. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, lanky, 6'6", leaper, great shooter. I mean, this is perfect for a Nate Oates type system, so I like him a lot. We won't spend a lot of time on it right this minute because there's so much football to talk about, but uh, good pickup for Nate Holton Company. <laughs> Nate Oates. Yeah, high, high quality. I mean, just high quality. I watched the same tape you did, I'm sure. High quality player, national top 125, which is a, a huge get for any time Alabama sends a national top 125 guy. That's big for Alabama basketball, no matter how well you're recruiting. That's just big. He's 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, he, he has a pretty looking shot. Uh, I read that he struggled with his shot uh, early in his high school career and then really worked on it and is now considered an above average shooter. So this is a gym rat. He's tall, he's lanky, he's athletic, he's projected to be an above-average defender. This is exactly, he's just, he's the blueprint of, I mean, Nate Oates wants to sign 13 guys like him. 
That's what Nate Oates believes makes a great basketball team is 13 guys, positional versatility, good shooters, above average athletes who can defend and run and jump and play hard for 40 minutes. Uh, he's, he's, he's the quintessential Nate Oates uh, signee. So, uh, wow, things are, things are rolling with the basketball program. Jimmy, I love to look at stats. Um, you know, as the weeks go on, I, I love it when the SEC uh, website updates all the stats. And you want to talk about something that's sign of the times. Check this out. Rushing leaders now in the SEC. Of course, we're one game in, so don't glean everything from this. Just like you talked about, don't assume that what you saw uh, against Missouri or against Alabama is what those two teams will be for the rest of the year. But the rushing leader, Alabama will face off against the SEC's rushing leader, Isaiah Spiller, with 117 yards. Second, Najee Harris with 98. Third, Ty Chandler with 86. Fourth, Jerion Ely with 79. And fifth is Zamir White with 71. Uh, back in the day, if you get uh, if you have 98 yards in game one in the SEC, you are at best fifth in the conference. Meanwhile, in passing, K.J. Costello, 623, Kyle Trask, 416, Matt Corral, 395, Miles Brennan, 345. He played like shit and got 345. And Colin Hill, 290, uh, is, is uh, fifth. Mac Jones had a great game with 249 yards, uh, 18 of 24. He's seventh in the conference in passing right now. I mean, you want to talk about something that just screams, hey, we, this whole this whole SEC thing has changed. That is some eye-opening numbers. You wonder if that's indicative of, of this season. Uh, I assume it is. Uh, we'll, we'll know more after maybe two more weeks of playing, but – Wow, that those numbers are stunning, and 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 we got to get used to this. I mean, just, just my take. You know, we we went around the league yesterday and talked about all the other games. We went out. You know, our defense is pretty good. I, I think it's improved just because to me we look bigger, faster, more athletic than we were a year ago. So I think our defense is improved. Sometimes that's not always apparent in the raw numbers. I think when we play Ole Miss, when we play Mississippi State, a couple other these teams in the SEC, even Florida. We're going to give up some points and yards, and, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that our defense is bad. Uh, I just think it's a unique game this year. We're, we're playing a lot of teams in our league who are explosive offensively, and uh, we need to be explosive offensively to keep up. Um, I think we will be in two or three track meets, and uh, we'll need to score. The good news is I, I think it was apparent this past weekend that we have the firepower to do it. And while Missouri's not one of the best teams we'll play, I think, and I haven't done this exercise yet, but I think if you if you rank the 10 defenses Alabama will play this year, that was probably the fifth or sixth best one. I mean, that, that wasn't that – wasn't, I mean, Missouri might be the eighth or ninth best team Alabama plays this year, but defensively, that was probably right in the middle of what we're going to see all year long. I'll take Missouri's defense over Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State's, for instance. That's three right there. And I'll take Missouri's defense over Kentucky's, frankly, although Kentucky's pretty decent on defense. Uh, but, but Missouri's better. So I, I, think, uh, I think we will have the offensive firepower to, uh, to run with uh, those explosive offenses like uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's the thing is it, it, 
Alabama has the defense to get some stops, whereas a lot of these teams you're talking about, I don't think they have the defense to get some stops against some of these uh, incredible offenses now. And, um, you know, again, I'm not going to overreact to what happened to LSU. I think that a lot of people could see that coming. And it's, hindsight's 50-50, as Pat Bass said, but um, you could see that coming now because there you have LSU had a whole new defense and was missing their best player and as I said, the reason I predicted Mississippi State to win, Ed Orgeron's been doing everything from 60 minutes to getting divorces to everything else. He's got too many distractions, man. They just – you can't stay focused enough uh, like that in this conference and, and expect to just roll out there and win. I don't care how many five stars you have. But um, anyway, I just uh, found that to be an interesting statistic there on the uh, SEC website. Anything else around the conference that uh, you've, you've thought about more since our last podcast? Uh, I just think this upcoming weekend has even better matchups than the weekend before. And even though now that we've seen everybody play, we've seen all 14 teams play, we got a lot of information on all the teams. There are some games this weekend. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just a fan like all you guys. I can't wait to see, to watch it unfold. But I don't want to bet my life on who's going to win Auburn, Georgia. I know Georgia's favored by eight. I think Georgia's going to win the game because they're better at too many more positions than Auburn is. But uh, Auburn looked uh, Auburn looked like they had it together more so than Georgia did. Uh, I will take Bo Nix over any quarterback that Georgia put on the field last Saturday. Uh, no, no question that that's true. Seth Williams – is as good of, as a skill player as anybody Georgia's got. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to just rule out that Auburn can't beat Georgia this weekend. Tennessee, Missouri, uh, I think Tennessee's going to win, but I only say that because they're playing at home. And uh, I think that could be really tight. Um, so just some interesting games around the league. I do think South Carolina is going to play Florida closer than Ole Miss did. And Ole Miss scored 35, you know, on Florida. Let's not forget that even though Florida's offense was so impressive, they gave up a bunch of yards to Lane Kiffin's offense, you know, in Oxford. So a lot of interesting games this weekend, but never is any game more interesting than the one the Crimson Tide is playing. Uh, George Pickens or Seth Williams? Uh, oddly, both of them are from the state of Alabama. Neither one of them play for Alabama. Yep. Same to be said of Errol Thompson, Monty Rice. KJ Brown. No, I'm, I'm asking. I want yeah. you to pick oh. one of them. I'm, oh, I'm pick asking. one. Pick yeah. one. Um, I think Pickens is the more gifted player. I'd rather have Seth Williams on my team. Um, so Seth Williams is my answer. Uh, I, I do think Pickens is slightly more talented, but I, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sold on what Pickens means to the locker room. No. Okay. And I, you know, the odd thing about that is during Seth Williams' recruitment, I think that's what kept Alabama from offering was the rumor that his locker room personality may not jive. And, and I think that there, he has certainly dispelled that rumor. Um, well, I'm with I you. Know. Has he? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, He's I, still on I, Auburn's I heard, team. He hasn't been, he hasn't been kicked out of Auburn just yet, so I guess that's true. He hadn't been kicked out, and um, I think that's I that's where you got to start. I mean, George yeah. Pickens hadn't either, but I think you go back to George Pickens' recruitment and how odd that whole thing was. And look, I, you know, I'm going to laugh like everybody else when Auburn gets hosed at the altar, but um, I think that it, it it does raise eyebrows about that 
him. But of course, TJ Yeldon did it too. So I, I, I don't want to judge too much. I'm just saying when you make me pick one of those two guys, yeah. I think George I think George Pickens' ceiling is higher. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Pickens is the better <clears throat> athlete. Pickens is probably the better football player in terms of, you know, you can put Pickens out there against any team and any defensive back in the country is probably going to make the play. Right. But uh, at what cost in terms of the locker room? Here, here's, here's the deal. Alabama last year fielded one of the great wide receiver cores in the history of college football. And wide receiver is a position where you get a lot of those guys. I mean, it's, it, you just look around the NFL for years. Uh, you know, a lot of your, quote, prima donnas, you know, play the wide receiver position in the NFL. Difficult guys, right? Alabama has Judy, Ruggs, Waddle, and Devontae, and all of them are great guys. They block for each other. They're not prima donnas. They're incredibly gifted, but they're all good team first players. So there's a lot. I, I know it's frustrating for people. Heck, I, I, I wave the banner when it comes to why don't we take this in-state guy? Why don't we take this in-state guy? But, uh, man, Alabama's done an incredible job, the wide receiver position, of not only signing these elite, talented guys, but they are good in the locker room. They're good in the wide receiver room. Uh, they're just good kids, those four anyway. And I'm not saying Alabama doesn't have any turds on the team. There's 85 guys. Of course there are. But four, but but that wide receiver room is full of stars who, who are also good kids. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And Waddle's also a great kid, too. And I, for all yep. intents and purposes, it seems like Mitchie is, too. So, I mean, yeah, they're doing yep. a good job of uh, getting the wide receiver because you got to have a bit of a prima donna in you to be a kick-ass wide receiver but you also want to have at least a semblance of being humble. Um, let's go ahead and take another break. Jimmy, when we come back, I want to talk about some Alabama alum performances in the NFL yesterday. One of my favorite things to do on this podcast is, on come Monday or Tuesday is to discuss how Alabama alums did in the NFL yesterday uh, or uh, this podcast is going to be Tuesday. I, man, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm talking about. Um, Derrick Henry, big game. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I want to check this while I'm talking. I think he's leading the NFL in um, in rushing right now, and he had two two um, touchdowns. Yeah, again. again. Um, uh, let's see. Well, this is weird because I'm, I'm pulled up the wrong stats, but um, it may be uh, Dalvin Cook who actually he went up against yesterday. Now it's Derrick Henry with three nineteen. Um, and he scored his first two touchdowns yesterday as the Titans moved to 3-0. and Rashawn Evans recovered a fumble and almost had a scoop and score. Um, he looked really good. Henry ended up with uh, 119 yards on 26 carries. Tennessee is 15-0 and when he goes over 100 yards. So, I mean, and again, he's also carried the ball, I think, 25 times or more each of the three games this year. So what this tells me is – Hey, if you give him the ball, like we've been screaming since he's been there, you're gonna win. And and I know, I know, logic says in the NFL, the more you give a ball to the running back, the more beat up he gets, and the less in his life, and whatever. Henry's different; he's just a different dude. So he he delivers the punishment instead of absorbing it. And when he does absorb it, he can. He's like the absorbing man from Marvel comics. He can you know, turn it against you. So just, uh, just give him the damn ball. Would you? 
He, uh, I tell you what, I mean, the Tennessee Titans are proof. I mean, those stats are all 100% proof. Maybe the power ground game in modern college and modern football is not dead. Tennessee seems to do pretty well uh, putting their offense in the hands of a power back and then just having a quarterback that's efficient. I don't think anyone is saying that Ryan Tannehill is, uh, is Russell Wilson or, or some sort of, you know, huge big time playmaker in that league. But Ryan Tannehill has been incredibly efficient. And he, he probably, uh, you, you credit the big back for that, who just takes all the pressure off having to make plays at the quarterback spot. So uh, big-time power ground game is not dead per the undefeated Tennessee Titans, who are really good two years in a row. Um, Chris, Calvin Ridley had another big game, uh, five passes, 110 yards. Um, Ridley's receptions include a 63-yarder over Eddie Jackson. Uh, Eddie Jackson ended up catching and bringing him down before a touchdown. And then they had a nice little moment like Eddie Jackson. You could tell that was like a hell of a catch, bro. I don't know what to tell you. Um, uh, Ridley has had at least 109 yards in each of Atlanta's first three games in 2020. He became the seventh NFL player with at least 109 receiving yards in each of his team's first three games. And that list includes Julio Jones, uh, Bob Boyd. We all know Bob Boyd from 1954. Uh, Jerry Rice. Jimmy Smith and Juju Smith Schuster. So uh, yeah, another big game for Calvin Ridley. Uh, James Carpenter started. How about Levi Wallace getting another pick yesterday? Uh, Levi Wallace is just playing his ass off and just uh, man, Alabama. I hope they do. Look, it's one thing everybody can pimp Julio Jones and say, look, Julio went to Alabama. I mean, come to Alabama. We ought to be a little bit more fired up and, um, Oh, gosh, what's the word? Putting the spotlight on Levi Wallace, because here's a guy who walked on and he just worked his way up to being a total badass. And now he's just making a gazillion dollars. Didn't even walk on through normal means. I've told a story a hundred times, but it's worth a hundred and first telling because it just boggles anyone's mind. But Levi Wallace enrolled at school like any other student did not enroll at school while in communication with the football program at all. He just applied enrolled just like Jimmy Stein did just like Luke Robinson did shows up as a student and in the fall of his freshman year in the fall uh actually watched the kick six from his student apartment like everyone else did and then in January fulfilling a promise to his dad in January he contacted the football building and said my name's Levi I played high school football I think I'm pretty good can I come out there and what what do I got to do to get on this team that's that's what happened. I mean, even even most walk-ons are recruited to be walk-ons. They rec- they they the football people know who you are, and you sort of enroll like the other scholarship kids do. No, Levi is as a walk-on as you get. He literally walked onto the team mid-semester. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it, it's just crazy, but I mean, it, it's one of those things that we need to make a bigger deal of each and every week because he really is kicking butt. DJ Yeldon, uh, talked about him earlier. He actually got in there for 18 yards. Jonathan Allen had a sack for Washington. The, the thing about the – every time I see Washington football team pop up on my screen, I'm like, God, this is so stupid. I mean, it's so just stupid, and, and, I, and I, It's so stupid, and yet, yet um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm now on board with it. I no. remember to say it every time. I remember no. to say it every – you would think I would forget all the time and say, yeah, oh, the Redskins is – hey, the Redskins are playing at 3 o'clock. No, no, I'm like, I, it's the Washington football team. 
It really is such a uh, throwback to probably the 1800s when it was um, Alabama Polytechnical Institute team of football participants versus. I'm not pro. I don't want them to be called the Redskins. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they had so much time. I mean, clearly they knew this had to be coming eventually, but maybe. Maybe this Washington football team thing will grow on me and it will just be, it's just every time I see it, I chuckle. I mean, maybe I'll kind of dig that. I don't know. Um, Cause I did feel guilty, but I was cheering for the Redskins more or the Washington football team more and more because they had so many Alabama guys. But then every time they showed that logo, I'm like, I can't, I, I'm not trying to be PC here guys, but you can't just, you can't do that. I mean, it's like the Cleveland Indians. You just come on guys. I mean, we got to try harder. Um, Landon Collins had four tackles for them. Sean Dion Hamilton played and had three tackles. Uh, uh, Deron Payne had a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, they, they really are chock full of Alabama guys. Josh Jacobs had 71 yards on 16 carries for the Raiders, who end up with their first loss of the day. And Henry Ruggs didn't play, unfortunately. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, he's probably the only bright spot for the Giants. He had five tackles, including two behind the line of scrimmage. The Giants... I mean, I don't know who's tanking faster. The Jets are so god awful. I'm like, I'm in this fantasy league, and a lot of people dropped out because of COVID, right? So we have four people in a fantasy league, so every team is loaded. And one of my buddies who listens to the podcast, he's an Auburn fan, but he he had the Colts defense. They got 27 fantasy points yesterday, which is absolutely unheard of. I mean, if you get 15 yeah. fantasy points on defense. It's like it's 10, is un, 10 is awesome. 10 is awesome. 10 is awesome. You got 27. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous, man. That's all. And you hear that, and you're right. I mean, that, that says a lot more about the Jets than it says about the Colts. Yeah. Uh, Kenyon Drake, I thought he had a decent game. I watched a lot of that game because I have Kyler Murray on my fantasy team. He had 73 yard, yards on 18 carries. Um and I also love watching Kyler Murray more now because he, I think he's, he's who Bryce Young is kind of modeled after. Yeah. And uh, OJ Howard had a big catch, by the way. Amari Cooper nine catches for eighty six yards. Here's the thing: Amari Cooper still don't have a touchdown this year, though. That's hard to believe. But man, the Cowboys have been a little. They're they're kind of, they're one of these teams that's a little hard to figure out. Like I, you know, you watch the Cowboys one week and then watch them the next week and if you've seen them if you've seen them one game you make up your mind who they are but if you see them play two games you have no idea who they are like yeah is it is this team great or is this team terrible i don't know it because if you watched the game yesterday and, and you watch the whole thing and you see dak prescott you're like god dak didn't have a worth of shit game he almost passed for 500 freaking yards like it just didn't seem that way, but he did have three picks, I think it was. Or to me, Dak, Dak is a product of 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 the of the modern twenty twenty expectations for a quarterback. It's it's extremely difficult to not have a legion of critics. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you, it's it's very the, the few quarterbacks who don't really have critics is is such a small list. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. By the way, Calvin Ridley is second in the NFL in receiving yards with 349, right behind DeAndre Hopkins. So that's that's pretty cool Amazing. for Calvin Ridley. I mean, it's, okay. I mean, he he's probably benefited as much from uh, Julio Jones's injury as as anybody. I mean, just goes to show Calvin's Calvin's more of a, a Batman than a Robin. But 
He plays Robin to Julio's Batman when Julio's healthy, which makes the Falcons' offense sort of dangerous. But but, but uh, Calvin's a Batman in his own right. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I hope he gets uh, to. St- I hope he, he and Julio both stay in Atlanta for a while. I'm kind of not really a Falcon. I'm sort of like you. I saw your tweet where you said. I like the Falcons. Thank God I don't love the Falcons. And that's the way I am. Like I'm, I'm pulling for them. And I, but I mean, these collapses are so monumental. I'm actually kind of pulling for the collapses now. Like how y'all going to screw this up this time? This is like watching a murder mystery. I, I don't know how y'all are going to pull this off this long. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to be someone that loves the Atlanta Falcons. Like I love Alabama. I can't imagine what that is like. I do like the Falcons. I've pulled for them my whole life. I, I'm the worst NFL fan ever because I like the Falcons <laughs> and I like the Saints because those are my two most local teams. So I like them and I pull for them. But when I say I pull for them, that doesn't even necessarily mean I'm going to watch all four quarters of the game. I mean, I, I you know, I pull for players. I pull for Alabama's guys. That's, that's what I do. I pull for the Alabama yeah. guys, uh, no matter what team they're playing on. But if you said, you know, do you have a favorite NFL team? My answer is just, ah, the Falcons or the Saints, which is a horrible answer. It's kind of like saying your favorite teams are the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean, they don't like each other. They're huge rivals against each other. Uh, and then, well, Jimmy, who do you pull for when the Falcons play the Saints? I'm like, I don't know, both of them. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and, and it helps that the Falcons have, you know, Julio and Ridley. You know, the Saints don't have uh, many bammers at the moment. So, uh, I pull for the Hatfields and the McCoys. I kind of just want to see a good fight. Exactly. But, no, I think the NFL games have been great. Really enjoyed it. And uh, as much as uh, the weekend was great of NFL uh, tonight, Chiefs and Ravens, hey, if you're a fan of football, if you're a fan of the sport of football, you need to watch tonight because it is the state of the art at quarterback. I mean, maybe your favorite quarterbacks in the league aren't Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and maybe they're not your favorites. But in 2020, this is as good as the quarterback position gets. And uh, that, that's, that's why I, I'm really looking forward to watching. I mean, this is the state of the art. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. There's no doubt about it. I, I mean, it's very rare that we get a Monday night football game of this caliber. Uh, and this one's going to be a lot of fun. So, well, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this podcast. We will be back to Molly's with another one and start our Texas A&M preview. Um, so roll time. Going to pick Alabama to win. Don't want to be a spoiler, but I'm picking Alabama to win. And uh, I think Alabama's going to play well. Can't wait to talk about it. Well, I would say no need to listen for the rest of the week. Jimmy's already told you what's going to happen, <laughs> but we need you to listen and go to rockauto.com. Roll time. <laughs>